Good morning, Gator fans, and welcome to episode five of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. I'm Dustin Smith, and once again, we've got Neil Schulman, founder and lead writer for InAllKindsOfWeather.com. Casey's got beginning of class stuff to do at Georgia Tech, so he can't be with us tonight. He should be back for our next episode. However, that means, Neil, it looks like it's just you and I for this one. And we've sure got a full slate of things to discuss. How's it going today, Neil? Hey, man. Yeah, I'm doing good. Looks like it is just you and I for this one. We do have a good bit of stuff to talk about tonight. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of stuff that's happening, a lot of moving pieces to the college football puzzle right now. We can't really speak with great certainty as to what exactly it's going to result in. We are aware of it. We're going to have some more stuff to discuss very soon, but there's a lot of good stuff happening in recruiting. What we do have to discuss about the Gators in specific is very, very, very positive, and I can't wait to get into that. Absolutely. That's uh, great to hear, Neil, and and uh, as always, I'm, I'm happy to be on with you. Before we get going, I do want to repeat and update the disclaimer from our last episode. As you know, we are recording this episode right in the middle of a ton of uncertainty with college football. And by that, I mean the prospect that we may not have college football this year. Unfortunately, that looks to be more and more likely. Again, it's a super fluid situation, and we expect things to happen very quickly as far as information, as far as what the rest of the season looks like. And we will break it all down as soon as we get information. So you definitely want to stay tuned to future episodes as we get more information. But we're not going to touch on it this morning for that very reason. It doesn't mean we aren't aware of this situation that's developing, and it doesn't mean we're just ignoring it and pretending it isn't happening. It just means that we don't feel it's responsible or helpful to spend time talking in great detail about what Florida adding Arkansas and Texas A&M to its 2020 schedule means for the Gators when it's possible we don't have a 2020 season with that schedule to be played. Rest assured that when we do have concrete answers, we'll discuss them in a separate episode dedicated to just that. One thing we do appear to have a concrete answer for is the question of whether Dan Mullen can recruit. As we talked about in our last episode, Mullen and his staff are in the midst of a tremendous month on the trail. As mentioned prior, they did lose Clinton Burton to Boston College, but given what they've done since then, I don't even think too many Gator fans remember that anymore because over the next few weeks, Florida beat out Virginia Tech for safety Donovan McMillan, beat out Georgia for wide receiver Marcus Burke, and took center Jake Slaughter. Man, I love that name. They took him away from FSU and on top of all that grabbed defensive tackle Desmond Watson away from a whole bunch of schools. And now Mullen and his staff have added two more highly sought after recruits to the 2021 class. And as we mentioned briefly in our previous episode, after Florida got that last bunch of recruits, all eyes went to Palmetto High School right in Miami, and Florida indeed got both defensive backs, 
Jason Marshall and Corey Collier. Let's start with Jason Marshall, who committed on Sunday night. Neil, I know Marshall is one of your favorite players in the entire 2021 class. What are your thoughts on him, Neil? He's a stud. I mean, just, just that play it simple. He is a baller. He, first of all, he plays basketball for Miami Palmetto, too. He's an All-American. He's a high school All-American. So from those two things, if we do nothing else about him, those two things tell us that he's super athletic right off the bat. And then you watch his high school tape and you realize, wow, this kid is almost unfairly athletic. He's got really quick feet. He can run with some real blazers and coverage. I don't think there are any verified speed times with him, but his tape does show that he is pretty fast. He appears to be very good in bump and run coverage. Didn't really do a whole bunch of that in the tape I watched from him, but it seemed like he was able to do it. Anyway, he's got ball tracking skills like a wide receiver. The thing that most excites me is he's 6'2 and 180, and he's nowhere even close to filling out that frame yet. So he's still got a year to grow and bulk up. And once he does that, he should be a day one starter for Florida. I 100% agree with you. Jason Marshall is an absolute baller. He is one of those players that I look to be an absolute stud throughout his career. He's, again, one of those players that reminds me of the C.J. Hendersons and the, the Vernon Hargraves of the world when it comes to Gator football. And I believe the sky's the limit for this guy. He's not done growing. He's not done uh, improving as an athlete. And I believe that when it's all said and done, and he graduates from the University of Florida or leaves the University of Florida potentially early, he may very well be a uh, top 10 draft pick in the NFL. Uh, he looks that good. Again, his footwork is precise. His hands are, are great for somebody who plays uh, primarily corner. And again, I cannot be more excited about a guy. Right now, according to the 24-7 sports composite, he's the, the, the number one ranked player in Florida's class. He's the only five-star the Gators have, according to that recruiting service. And I cannot be more excited that we got him, especially after uh, this time last week, we were all expecting him to go inevitably to Miami. Again, Neil, this is obviously a huge commitment. I could go on and on. It's not just another kid who could play. Again, this is a five-star prospect, which Florida has had very sporadic success in getting on the recruiting trail. We can debate what we think of the star system. But I'm wondering, Neil, is it just me or does this commitment feel different than most others? The answer to that is, is a resounding yes. So after Marshall committed to Florida on Sunday night, after I wrote my article and mocked a few Miami fans, I sat down and I started thinking about the biggest recruiting wins Florida has had since Urban Meyer left. And I realize that can be a very subjective phrase. So I'll provide my metric of this. My way of measuring the enormity of a recruiting victory over another school is comprised of a few main factors. One, just how highly sought after he was as a high school recruit. In other words, how good was he? You know, stars, offer lists, tape, all that. Two, the level of difficulty involved in landing him. Uh, like, was he from a rival's backyard? Did he grow up in a family of rival school fans? How badly did the, did the other school want him? How interested did he appear in them? How many visits did he take there? How many times did they visit him? Would he 
have filled a massive need there? Did he have high school teammates committed to either Florida or the other school Florida is competing with? And three, most importantly, is Florida with its coaches, its personnel and administrative staff in position to mold the kid into something great and be able to win with him at the highest level. So let's quickly go through those with Marshall. One, Marshall is a five-star with offers from pretty much everybody. So that's a yes, he is a top prospect. Two, yes, the odds certainly seem stacked against Florida to land him. Marshall grew up in Miami, literally the hurricane's backyard. Miami wanted him pretty badly, and he seemed to really want to go there. He visited Miami seven times since the start of the 2018 season. He had three of his Palmetto teammates committed to the Canes, Rashard Smith, Savion Collins, and Leonard Taylor. He did have Corey Collier commit to Florida the day after. I'm assuming that there was some level of thinking going into that before either of them pulled the trigger. So that kind of felt like a package deal. But nonetheless, even if that is the case, that's a 3-1 advantage for Miami. And whatever else we have to say about Dan Mullen, he has shown a tremendous and consistent ability to get the most out of the guys he has on the field. So with that said, I think this was the biggest recruiting win for the Florida Gators since the departure of Urban Meyer. Marcus Burke was a big one a few weeks ago because Georgia really wanted him, but he was from Jacksonville, which is neutral ground, and he did not have three of his high school teammates committed to Georgia. Go back to Dante Fowler in 2012. That was a big pull away from FSU. LaMichael Pirine, a few years ago, big pull away from Alabama. But I don't think Florida was as well equipped throughout its program to maximize those guys' talent on the, on the field as Florida will be able to with Marshall. Of course, time's going to tell with that. But this feels like a landmark victory for Florida. Neil, I could not agree with you more. I've been having an eye on... Marshall for the last year, probably at this point, year and a half, I was following him alongside the, the 2020 class that, that committed and signed back in this past December and this past February. Um, his, again, his tape is incredible. For, for someone who is just a high schooler, he has that precision that, that really will take him to the next level. And on top of that, everything that you mentioned, going back to his upbringing, where he lives, where, he, where his family's at, all of the, the push to Miami, all of the 24-7 crystal balls toward Miami for Jason, including Blake Alderman amongst others who really have their hand on the pulse of the Florida Gators and the, the recruiting staff there. And he goes to Florida over Miami. And he was just half of the Gatorade of Miami. Yeah. And let's, let's go ahead and dive into another incredible recruit the Gators got out of the same school. You know what they say, lightning doesn't strike twice. Well, sure seem to here. <laughs> well, I guess that statement is wrong because the very next day, Corey Collier committed from, again, Miami Palmetto. Neil, what are your thoughts on Corey? I'm not sure he's quite as ready to play day one as Jason Marshall is, but this is another kid who's very athletic and projects as a very high-impact defensive back at the SEC level once he fills out his frame. Scouts do warn that his tackling isn't completely SEC ready yet. He looks like he definitely knows how to tackle on his tape, but as I said in our last episode, you aren't typically going to see 
miscues like that in highlight tapes. He is an elite center fielder right now. Everyone agrees on that. Press coverage skills aren't quite there yet. Um, although safeties don't play bump and run coverage on every snap, that is something that they're going to have to do from time to time, particularly when Todd Grantham wants to get a little creative with his defensive scheme. Uh, but the talent's there. The speed maybe could be worked on a little bit. The 4.8340 is not fantastic. It's not horrible, but it's not, again, that that's not typically an SEC starting safety 40 time. So he's got work to do. He's a little raw. He's a bit of a project. He's not there yet, but I think that when he is, when he's done going through Nick Savage's offseason program, I think he will be something special. Neil, I could not agree with you more. I know uh, said that a lot tonight. Now, one thing that we've, we've spoken about off air and I want to kind of bring up, so Corey Collier kind of reminds me with his raw talent of Gervin Dexter. Now, the specific recruitment process and all that, very different. When I say this, I'm looking at him and his raw talent. Gervin Dexter looks to be a player that will eventually be playing on Sundays, but he's very raw. And like, like what you mentioned with Collier, Gervin Dexter is one of those players that through the off-season strength and conditioning program, and the coaching that Todd Grantham and the entire staff are going to instill in him, he could be a great player. Same for Corey Collier. I believe that, that Corey Collier has the potential in, in the ceiling to be a potential All-American level talent at the University of Florida. Ooh. Again, I know, I know you might be looking at me and saying, Dustin, what are you talking about? When I watch his tape and I see – his impact that he has on the field, yes, he does need to improve as a tackler, but there's still a reason why Rivals considers him to be the number one safety in the country. And that's because the ceiling that he has is ridiculous. And if I'm wrong, Neil, you're going to let me know. <laughs> I'm not going to so, put, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put any of your takes in the receipt vault. That's yeah. what you're thinking. No, why? Man, why would I do that? Man. Yeah, no, hold me to it. No, nah, man, that's for rival fans and Mike White stands only. Hold me to it because – All right, if you, if you this, say so. Do you yes, please, please do. Dude, Corey is, is an absolute baller. And he, I mean, you realize you can be a baller without being an All-American. I, I, I think he's going to be an All-American. Dude, I don't know if it's the dreads, but he's totally giving me Reggie Nelson vibes. That's incredible. I would think – I would hope that there would be more to uh, the Reggie Nelson comparison than just the dreads. But true. Yeah. Um, again, a, lo a lot of a lot of his tape, too. You know, we could go on and on for, for hours on each of these players. Uh, let me just say this. Going back to last year. Well, actually, no, it was actually 2020 has been such a long and insane year that it, it seems like it's like five years compacted into one. Earlier this year in early February, when we found and. I believe it's early February when we found out that Avanti Williams would go to Miami instead of Florida. Oh God. Okay. When, when was that? Was yes, it, that February, was February, right? February. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He had a cake and all saying congrats Tay with orange and blue, but yeah. Yes. Dude, that was heartbreaking. But you it know, feels like 20 years ago. It does. And to come full circle to take two players Right from Miami's backyard. The, the, again, I'm going to 
<laughs> I, I hate to I, I hate to beat this like a like a dead horse, but man, to get the number one safety in the nation according to rivals, okay, the number three corner in the nation according to the twenty four seven sports composite and Collier and Marshall respectively, Neil. That's a big deal, and I'm excited. Let's look at the big picture here. A month ago, people were complaining that Florida's class was literally falling apart with Clinton Burton decommitting. With all that's happened since, though, let's settle the debate once and for all. With all the information we have now in mid-August of 2020, what exactly are your thoughts on Dan Mullen as a recruiter? Well, in our last episode... Casey was talking about how Florida was starting to flex its muscle on FSU and then said Florida was starting to really clean up within the state. And I cautioned him a little bit and said, yeah, but there's a caveat to that. Let's see how Florida does with Miami Palmetto. They're currently 0 for 3 with Savion Collins, Leonard Taylor, and Brashard Smith all committed to Miami. And I didn't even really think Florida had a, had a great shot at Jason Marshall. I was nope. – writing him off as a cane. I think a lot of people did. I mean, mm-hmm. as, as recently as I think August 1st, August 2nd or so, the crystal balls were rolling in for him to Miami. It just didn't seem likely. So I just wrote him off as a cane. So I said, I think the only one Florida has a real shot at is Corey Collier, and we don't even have him yet. So going over five at Palmetto is something that Gator fans have to be prepared for as a possibility. Now, fast forward a week later, not even a week later. Now Florida's got two of those guys from Palmetto, at least two of them. I don't, I don't generally call flips, but I'll say this. Jason Marshall and Corey Collier saw something that was off at Miami, whereas Collins, Taylor, and Smith bought whatever beachfront property in Nebraska that Diaz was selling. And, <laughs> well, I don't know what else you'd call it. Because um, they, again, we, I mentioned this in the last episode, third best well, team in your own Metroplex. Lost to an FIU would... team that got killed by FAU. So when, when, when you have that on your resume, not to mention losing 14-0 to Louisiana Tech in a, in a walk-ons bowl, literally the walk-ons bowl game, you have to be selling something crazy. In the, wor- in the words of Neil Schulman, Miami got beat by the technicians of Louisiana. Correct. They are. That is literally what they are. The technicians of Louisiana. But anyway, the point is if if you're going six and seven with losses like that on your resume, you've got to be doing something real creative on the recruiting trail and maybe less than truthful and less than factual with your pitches. And Marshall and Collier smelled that. Now they're both committed to Florida with those two committed, it's not totally out of the question for the three Palmetto boys currently committed to Miami to start having second thoughts. And, and maybe, maybe Collier and Marshall will even play a role in trying to flip them. But, but even if Florida doesn't flip them, the statement that Mullen has just made was loud and clear. He has had enough of Miami, and he has had enough of Manny Diaz. Between the near fiasco in Orlando a year ago and getting out muscle for the first three Palmetto boys, he is done screwing around with the Canes, and he is claiming Miami as his home turf. He said as much at the Orange Bowl trophy presentation last December, and he said it again just now by taking Marshall and Collier. And better yet, he finally punched back at Kirby Smart in Georgia by beating them out for Marcus Burke. There's still work to do there because the work never stops in recruiting, but I think Mullen is finally starting 
he hasn't sustained yet. He is starting to recruit at a championship level. And football or not in 2020, that has to be something that Gator fans are excited about. Neil Mullins made an incredible statement. You know, I, again, I think back to early on in his tenure at the University of Florida, people knew that Dan Mullen was a great on-the-field coach. People knew that he could develop talent. I mean, you, you need not look further than the Dallas Cowboys and uh, what he's done with, with Dak Prescott. And, and how Dak Prescott went from being a no-name to three-star coming in. And, and now he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. He has a track record for success. Look at what the Gators have done on the field. Florida went 10-3 and three in 2018. And in 2019, the Gators went 11-2 and two with back-to-back New Year's Six Bowl victories. That's a huge deal. Dan Mullen has shown it on the field. However, up until recently, just as recently as maybe even the last few days, people have been very concerned about his recruiting and his ability to really put his his foot on the necks of the two in-state rivals. It, there is no excuse for the Gators to be out-recruited by a team that lost to the technicians of Louisiana 14 to nothing. There's no excuse for the Gators to lose in recruiting to the do somethings. And I said it again, just like Casey said the last episode, the do somethings of North Florida. Okay. There's no excuse. And the fact that Dan Mullen is winning those recruiting battles, it's a big step in the right direction. At the same time, I want to be cautiously optimistic because we still have quite a bit of time to go between now and signing day and a lot can happen you know there there could very well be flips in the right direction where we pick up some players we weren't expecting but there's also a lot of room for other teams that have not filled up their class that might be slightly behind the gators to go ahead of the gators you know this could be a class that looks really pretty right now at six in the 247 uh, composite rankings, this class could end up at 12 or 13 by the time it's all said and done. So I want to be cautiously optimistic. Well, I will say that I think for the most part, I think Florida's done with 21. There may be a couple pieces still to fall. I would keep my eye on Bryce Langston out of Vanguard. Yeah. I think it's possible Florida flips one of the other Miami Palmetto boys, or maybe even Tunmi Sodeli from Ohio State. But I think it's mostly a completed class. And I think what's going to happen is, yeah, they're number two in rivals right now, number six in 247. But I think as other teams slightly behind them start to get some four or five stars of their own, they're going to slide past Florida. So I think it's possible that Florida is going to finish with a class that's maybe eight, nine in two, four, seven, maybe 10, 11, 12, maybe 13 or so, um, depending on who gets who I think in rivals, Florida could fall out of the top 10 too. If other teams start landing tons of recruits left and right. I think it's important to note that Florida got a recruiting class full of ballers. You don't necessarily remember guys right now at this point in time, like Dejon Reynolds, you don't necessarily remember guys like, 
Charles Montgomery, guys like Gage Wilcox, guys like Chief Borders or Justice Boone. But Florida's got a class full of guys who can play football at, in the SEC and play football at a high level in the SEC. So regardless of what that final number winds up being, Dan Mullen has got himself a class filled with guys who can compete at the highest level. I think that's something that even if other teams start getting recruits and Florida starts to slide because they're basically done, it's very much worth keeping in mind. So it feels like Florida's 2021 recruiting class is mostly complete. They've already got 25 commitments, which if they all stick out would be one of the largest classes they've signed as of recent. And one guy who's not going to be part of that class, ironically, is Kamar Wilcoxon. And no, 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 no. Relax. He did not decommit again. Gator fans, don't worry. He simply, in case you haven't already heard, he simply reclassified to the class of 2020. A bit of news that might have been lost amid the recruiting and scheduling news of the past few weeks. So before we wrap up this episode, Neil, let's discuss Wilcoxon. Well, it was a wild and crazy ride for sure. Um, I think the most benevolent way to put this is I don't know that he knew what he wanted. He committed to Florida three different times, sandwiched around a brief commitment to Tennessee before finally shutting down. And he did do an interview with Gators Territory in which he said point blank that the virus influenced his decision to reclassify. He, he also said, and I'm quoting him directly here, it is an uncertainty with high school and football. So I'm like, if I don't know if I'm going to be playing football, I'd rather be somewhere getting developed and learning the playbook versus just sitting around waiting to see if we're going to play or not. So no. I don't I, you know. That was a great interview. Gators territory did, did a great job with that. Uh, I think it was Joseph Hastings who did that. And it, you know, again, like you said, it was lost, but anyway, he is going to be a Gator. We don't have to worry about that anymore. I think he's going to be moving from safety to corner at the next level. And I think, as he said, he wanted to get that transition period started. Obviously, we don't know that we're going to have a season right now. We can't say that enough times to really do the potential reality of that prospect justice. But whatever else happens, he is at least in the program. And however the Gators are making adjustments, he's going to be making the same adjustments just as they do. Again, looking at Wilcoxon and his recruitment process, for, for all that has been said about some of his indecisiveness between Florida and Tennessee and kind of going back and forth, it's, it suffices to say that it's good that he's a Gator. I believe that this whole process says a lot about who he is. Not only does he have the desire to come in to Florida for 2020, the fact that he has the opportunity to do so says a lot about who he is as a student. The fact that he was able to complete his high school requirements and, and move on to uh, college, that's a super big deal. With that said, that's about all we've got for this episode of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. We're sure the coming days and weeks will bring all sorts of new pieces of information regarding the status of the upcoming season or if 
we even have one, that is. We should have Casey back for that episode. And again, we may even have a surprise guest for that one as well. As always, thank you, everybody, for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and go Gators. Go Gators.